Holy buddy gutty. You just say, oh, huddy buddy gutty? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no, really, I didn't, do, I didn't understand what you said. You <laughs> said oldie but a goodie. Oldie but a goodie. This is Nick to me, a Skype date first, podcast second. The podcast is really irrelevant to me. It's our quality time we're spending together. That's really important. You can call it quality. <laughs> it's, it's definitely a, time. Sorry, time. The time. Uh, well, this is the Consequence Podcast. I am EJ Olson. This is Nick Durheim. We're here to talk about video game, video game news, things of the past, Crab Rangoon. Sometimes we'll talk about oldie buddy gutties. <laughs> oldie buddy gutties. They have no context for what that is. They might have context. Depends on if someone uses a cool intro bit. We'll see. Mm. We'll see what happens. Hey, guys, check us out on the internet. Before we even get into this, we're just going to top of the list here. Social media. Listen, I know y'all are listening. I see those downloads. Only 40 of them are me. The other six. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, console Crusade. Console underscore Crusade on Twitter. This is at Press Till Death. I am at E Jiggle. Hit us up. Questions, comments, concerns. You can email the pod at feedback at consulcrusade.com. Do you have any listener mail this week, buddy? I don't think so. I did text the group chat and said, hey, we're talking Pokemon tonight. Anything y'all want us to wax about specifically? And Drew says, the game. Thanks for that, smartass. Very specific. <laughs> okay. We were going to speak in very just broad terms, but... If you want us to laser focus on that, then I think we'll get around to it. So Pokemon was released 20 years ago. The end. Well, yeah, in the U.S. It was a 20 in the U.S. And how long ago in Japan? It came out in like 96, I think. Maybe 95 even. Oh, fuck. That was early. Yeah. Back in the 90s, you know, localization took years and years. I know, right? Did the uh, the anime in America precede the games? By a week. Oh, really? Yeah, but it was very close, so... Well, I wonder then, in the hearts and minds of those 90s children, watching the anime was probably much more accessible than going out and buying an expensive new $60 game or $80 game or whatever they were then. Something absurd. On the Game Boy? I think it was like 30 I just remember games being way more expensive back then. Games were, but handheld games were super cheap. Okay. And the Game Boy Color had come out a year or two before, so that was already discounted. So it was like prime time for handheld gaming. But Game Boy games are always cheaper. They were always like 30 bucks, And then when uh, DS came out, those were like 40 bucks, And that's kind of stuck around with 3DS. And now here we are with the Switch, and it's $60 again. Still get indies. Buy Hollow Knight for 15 bucks. you know? Stardew Valley. And if only the Switch had a built-in D-pad. So those games were comfortable to play. <laughs> so we, we're, today we're talking mostly Pokemon, because that's what we have spent the most time with this week, but... I played a little Spyro. I don't know. You been playing anything else? I just bought Undertale and Xenoblade Chronicles 2, Torna Country or whatever. The, Torna the Golden Country, the expansion. Oh, okay. Like standalone thing. I put a few hours into that throughout the week before I got Pokemon on Friday. Is it pretty good? It is more Xenoblade from what I've played. I mean, I've only put in like a couple hours, but the music's really good. I really like the main character so far. And it seems like really uh, like fully featured for an expansion it's really its own game pretty much i mean yeah they sold it standalone and from what i understand it's about like 20 hours worth of game so that's not a lot for like a jrpg but that's like a full game that's a game yeah yeah that's absurd 20 i don't like games that are 20 hours like 12 hour story is enough for me bro how much time do you spend with spider-man it's different because i went full retard and platinumed it but still 
Holy shit, is the DLC, does that release tonight? Wait a minute. Yeah, I think so. I think it's on the 20th, so Tuesday, yeah, tomorrow, oh, tonight. Oh my god, I'm not sleeping tonight. I'm editing a podcast, and I'm playing Pokemon, and I'm playing the Spider-Man DLC. God damn it. I'm so stuck, dude. <laughs> An embarrassment of riches. Oh man, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time or energy to have this kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Nick, today's an anniversary, and I don't mean our anniversary, because we've been together 20 years. When did we start having our shared after school? Because that was like when we actually like met and hung out, right? As our parents, our moms were uh, friends because of the PTC. PTC, absolutely. It must have been around this time. I mean, it was like third or fourth grade for me. Right? No, no, no. It was second grade for you, man. It was literally my first year at North Gresham. I was first grade. Really? So, yeah. And uh, I remember because there was another kid your year. That looked exactly like you. I remember him being a year older, being a second grader, and always thinking that you guys were like brothers. I swear to God, Nick, I, when I go home for Thanksgiving next week or this week. Yeah, I want to know about this mysterious child. I'm going to pull my, my North Gresham yearbook out. I'm going to find this kid. And I remember in the picture, he's wearing like camo. Military Nick. <laughs> like, <laughs> solid snake. I was going to say, that's like a Metal Gear name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I uh, will find that and we will maybe we'll post that for y'all to see when I find Nick's second grade doppelganger. <laughs> maybe we won't post pictures of strange second graders. I take all that back. Hey man, it's a, it's in the public domain. <laughs> Probably not, but I don't know. So is it weird if he's not a second grader anymore? <laughs> he's a grown ass man. He's 30 years old. No, I'm not 30 years old. Why would he age faster than me? <laughs> he was wearing camo. <laughs> Too sneaky for time to tell what age <laughs> exactly. he is. Exactly. So we were talking about protective gear earlier, and that reminded me that um, at my job, we recently had a company policy shift so that we all have to wear high-vis gear while we're working. Okay. So just anything with that bright green, like construction worker style right. stuff. So we all get ve- we got vests, but like some of my coworkers bought their own jackets that had the built-in like fabric. One of my coworkers is such a dork. He is like hunter casual. Like he wears sweatpants to work, but they're like camo sweatpants. Oh my God. And the dude bought lime green high visibility camo jacket for work. And like, you're giving off mixed signals here, dude. Do you want to be seen? (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing? It's very funny though. Oh, sorry. Totally derailed. (laughs) Anyway, anniversaries. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. By the time this post will be exactly on the day that Ocarina of Time released in 1998 in the US. 1998, 20 years. I mean, it seems like yesterday. That was my prime, 98. I peaked. (laughs) Downhill since then. (laughs) I mean, really, I've only gotten bigger since then. If I have a similar growth spurt over the next 20 years, I'll be dead by the time I'm 40. Just like Andre the Giant. Uh, Anybody want a peanut? That was close. That was good. (laughs) I've been practicing. Yeah, I mean, just shouts out to Ocarina. That was my first game on the N64 that I remember playing. Great memories with it. I know you didn't really uh, get a chance to play. I think you might. I think I might have made you play it when we were kids, but you didn't have an N64, so all of your looks at it were kind of cursory glances or in retrospect. So you have a much different perspective from it than I do. A very important game and a very overrated game. So, I mean, a lot of those games of that generation are all important because it was a pivotal moment in gaming history, but they're also all overrated because none of them are playable. The remake was not even that good. I didn't uh, jump uh, well with the remake because of the lack of C buttons, but beyond that, it was visually still really cool. Nice to see it upgraded a little bit. Yeah. And the, just the overall design of the game is 
it's bread and butter. Like it's exactly what games today are being made in the image of, you know, God of War was pretty much Ocarina of Time writ large. So I think, I think it holds up remarkably well in that regard. That's why I haven't really been able to get into God of War. You still like real games, dude. Wow. I thought you liked action adventures, but you can't even like the prototypical action adventure game. Fake game. We don't need to get into the God of War thing again. I haven't touched it in in, in in a month at least. You're like, if this doesn't have Assassin's Creed button mash combat, I don't want it. I mean, it is button mash combat. I throw my axe, I punch a guy. No, I was talking about Spider-Man, not God of War. I contend that Spider-Man's combat is nothing like the Assassin's Creed. It's much more fully fledged. It's nothing like the Arkham games. There's a lot more nuance, and you have to really be responsive and pay attention, especially on Ultimate Mode, which I did just beat the, the main game on Ultimate. And let me tell you, that was an experience. You know, let's just uh, agree to disagree. You, see, you haven't even fucking played it. Uh, anyway, one bit of news here before we kind of jump into the games that I want to chat about. Sony, what the fuck is going on? They just up and said, hey, we're not doing E3 next year. It's super wild. Shock Every single E3. Since they started in 95. Ever. Ever. It's insane. Their first E3 was them announcing the PlayStation. Well, I think that they might have announced it at GDC, but it was basically them promoting the PlayStation and saying, yo, get this shit. You're not going to get a Saturn because you're not a chump. (laughs) You're not a fucking mark. It's strange, obviously, because of that fact, but it makes sense for a few reasons if you look at it like this. Sony's been trying to pimp PSX and do their own thing. They've done PSX, they did PSX three or four years in a row before skipping this year. Okay. So they're gearing up for something big. And obviously it makes total sense that that would be PS5. Right. I mean, however big that's going to be, you know. I mean, I think it will be. I think it will be. If they, they're taking some time off, there's going to be some downtime. There's going to be a lull. Because if they come to E3, people are going to expect announcements. And if you come out and announce a bunch of games, you're prolonging your own life cycle. Because to be, to be honest, consumers are not ready to upgrade to the next generation. Because most modern gamers were spoiled by 360 era, and that went fucking nine years. So, you know, we expect this to go on for another three, four years, when in all reality, like, we should be looking at the next gen, regardless of what that looks like. I don't know yet. It makes sense that we'd be looking at that, and it's up to Sony or Microsoft or whomever to to push that themselves. And so I think that's what this is. It's just, here's the lull. No more expectations for the PS4. Get the games that are coming, get those out, and then come back next year, announce a new console, announce all these exclusive games to you know ring that that launch in. I think we're two years out from PS5. I would agree. I think PS5 is 2020, but it's that doesn't really make sense to me as to why they would skip E3 because E3 isn't just for first party stuff. That's where they show off like the Call of Duty game that's coming out that year, which is inevitably the best selling game of that year. It's where they show off a lot of their third party partnerships. I mean, it's where we got uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake announced, and we got a lot of big announcements are made at Sony's press conference that aren't necessarily Sony games. Sure. Because first party, they've had the same press conference for the past three years. Like, 2016, we saw Spider-Man, God of War, and, like, Horizon. And then 2017, you got Spider-Man and God of War. 2018, you know, well, they already came out, so we'll just show Spider-Man maybe this little, little sizzle trailer, and then the, the three games that people care about and the one that nobody does. And like next year is going to be, they got two games coming out pretty much. And then whatever Death Stranding and Last of Us Part 2 comes out, maybe Ghost of Tsushima if that ends up being any good. But we don't even know if those are PS4 games. That's not like written in stone. They've announced them as PS4 games, but that could easily change. Right. So it's just, it's really weird to me that they would 
skip out next year just because they don't have anything new first party to show when they still have i would assume they still have a good relationship with activision unless that like deal's done and xbox is like making moves to get that week of early dlc kind of partnership and the marketing partnerships which is really what matters is the marketing right it's like rockstar only markets their stuff as ps4 game even though it looks infinitely better on one x and it's just i don't know it's weird they've been there every year for the past 25 years every year e3 rolls around the sentiment among fans, among critics, among quote-unquote game journalists and pundits, and even some people in the industry, uh, you know, on, on the development side, I think the common consensus is that these trade shows are really kind of pointless. They're, Which I completely disagree with. I also disagree with. Totally. Yeah, whenever I hear like a quote-unquote game journalist say that, it makes me think to myself... Hmm, it sure seems like you're not useful in this scenario, huh? Because it's turning into a consumer show where people go to, as opposed to the ivory tower San Francisco people that have covered games professionally for the past 15 years, you know? Right. But E3 is so important because it's like the one time of year that all these companies are together in the same city competing with each other as like advertising. And it's so cool because everyone gets to pimp out their stuff and it's just a fun event. And it's what I look forward to every summer like it's just a cool thing to see oh what's ubisoft gonna show what's microsoft gonna show what's ea's gonna show and th- with streaming and with like twitch it's only gotten bigger like i feel like i would have to look up the stats but viewership has got to be higher now than it was when it was only airing on g4 in like 2004 you know it was like the first e3 i saw right so it's more important as a consumer now than it was 20 years ago when it was established when it was just like hey this is where these publishers and developers go to talk to walmart and like eb games and try to sell their product for the next year right the the purpose of the event has has shifted in a lot of ways and it's had to evolve and a lot of the these old farts who walk into these things and start complaining about how the you know these shows are irrelevant and it's a waste of time and oh, i'm not coming back anymore and why do we do this are looking at it through the lens of the past i think there's really something important about saying, hey, there are these big dates in the year that we are going to like get together and announce something. All eyes are on this event, whether it's now the Game Awards or whether it's E3 or whether it's PAX or whether it's, you know, what the fuck ever. All eyes are on us. So it's like choosing these pillar dates to like, hey, we're going to really push X, Y, and Z here. And it's really important for, for the consumer and for the company advertising and just engagement. Yeah, E3 is different than it was fucking five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago is fucking different and that's fine and i think in some ways it's better but again just having that date like hey we're all going to tune in and watch the fucking conferences for e3 and you're going to have five hundred thousand people streaming the show or whatever the numbers are right uh, i think that is important and yeah like you said a lot of these old journalists who whether it's a ego thing or a just being fucking old people who can't adapt with the times. I don't know what it is, but all these guys. That's just what it feels like, you know. It's crazy how much I hear that same sentiment. It's going to be different now because there's fewer games coming out, like large-scale games. Yeah. I've watched E3s just on a lark, you know, watch E3 presentations from like 2003, and Capcom will be showing, okay, here's a sizzle reel with our 30 games that are coming out this year. Fuck. And it's just absurd, and they're all like, you know, like Mega Man Zero or some like Resident Evil spinoff, you know, like they just had so many games and they didn't do million sales, but like 
if you're making that many games and spending less money and making less money, then it ends up netting out okay. But it, as these like, companies have lasted longer and longer, they boil it down to, okay, we have the three games that make us money and we're just going to make those every year. And of course, it's going to be a different level of excitement. But then these, like someone will be like, hey, let's uh, publish an indie game or publish a sm- like have an initiative to make a smaller game. And then other big publishers will see that and like, well, we should do that too. And then they learn from each other and they compete with each other. And that just ends up being a benefit to us as consumers. Right. And I think E3 is just a condensation of that, like a one single event. If Sony, again, sets this precedent and decides, hey, we don't need them to do what we're doing. We can do our own event and we can do you know X, Y, and Z. Really, every company can do their own thing. And it would probably be, not sorry, not every company. The big companies, Microsoft could do their thing, Nintendo could do their thing, and Sony could do their thing, and all these the smaller developers and smaller companies would all latch onto them, and they could have three events a year that are as big as E3. Maybe maybe not as far as like on location, you're not going to fit, you know, you're not going to have this big event, but like as far as if Sony said, hey, PSX, this is our one thing this year, tune in to find out all of our news for the fucking year. And Microsoft did something like that, and Nintendo did, which Nintendo kind of does with their directs. But if they all said, "This is what this is the big event for us this year," the same people who are watching E three are tuning in to see what these companies are doing. So the companies, if they decided to make E three irrelevant, absolutely could. But I think it's more in their benefit to be a part of something that someone else is putting on, and they can kind of be a part of it versus having to kind of carry the whole the whole of the weight themselves. But well, yeah, and also like. We watch Nintendo Directs because we're Nintendo fans, but if a Sony fan sees Nintendo Direct is happening, they're not going to necessarily tune in, but they're probably going to watch E3 because they're like, oh, this is news that I care about. And people are going to, there's going to be the comparison, the compare and contrast, like, oh, Sony announced this, Nintendo announced this, Microsoft announced this, who won E3? And that is like, it's important to compare these things from an outside perspective because it allows the companies internally to talk to a user base that's not necessarily just theirs yeah like you're gonna have the core audience and they can talk to them whenever they want and it's just an opportunity to expand that message right and it's just weird that sony's doing this i feel like this only benefits microsoft i mean they're planning hardware at the same time they might even jump the gun and push it out a year sooner than sony is i mean microsoft's done that in the past to great effect xbox 360 was had a full year to work out the kinks before PS3 came out and landed like a wet fart. <laughs> so yeah. that could easily happen again. I mean, people are not dedicated to their their consoles, you know. Nintendo always just does whatever the fuck Nintendo's doing. Like they they are not affected by this at all. They don't have third parties to please. Uh, but Microsoft, Nintendo. I mean, even last year they showed off like Jump Force for the first time, which is going to be a a big deal not to us because we're not huge anime dorks, but like <laughs> the weeaboos that come out in force and buy every Naruto game, they're going to be pleased to no end for Jump Force. Yeah. So like that was a big deal for Microsoft to show a Japanese game. They haven't really done that in a while. Not since Final Fantasy 13 was like announced on their stage in 2005 or whatever it was. Microsoft has never really done the, the Japanese game thing. They had like two JRPGs on 360. They had a huge initiative for it at the beginning of the 360 cycle. I watched their E3 like not too long ago because it was just entertaining to see what that whole like announcement was like and the features they were touting and the things they seemed especially proud of. But yeah, they had like exclusive Japanese games like Blue Dragon 
Like they're trying to make it a JRPG machine in a in a little way because they wanted to push into Japan because that was a huge market that they've always been missing. Yeah. Is Jump Force just a standard 2D fighter just with anime characters? Arena fighter. Okay. I, I would be curious to maybe check that out then. I don't know half the anime characters, but I'll know the DBZ characters and That's all the Shonen Jump stuff, so like Dragon Ball. I think Naruto's part of that, but like yeah. One Piece, which is I think the biggest anime in the world technically. Yeah. And then uh I don't think my hero is part of that. Uh, Death Note. There's Death Note characters. I saw some. Um, I saw some screenshots floating around today that were like recognizable characters, but uh, from animes I never watched. That'd be one of the uh, Black Friday pickups next year. You know, just just get it for twenty bucks. You know. Yeah, run around, change the voice track because the English voice acting is not great. The Japanese voice track voice track is bad also, but you can't tell because it's not in your language. That's the thing. Is it all sounds good to me? <laughs> you don't want woman Goku. <laughs> Well, you know, she does a good job, but she sounds weird because she's a 70-year-old ass woman. Bless her soul. But she's not dead yet. Jesus. For being 100 years old, still being Goku. Oh, man. Well, before we dive into Pokemon here, I picked up Spyro, which we've talked about, I think, at length on this podcast before. My just talking about it last week? Yeah. Um, my childhood with it being my first platform of that ilk and that, you know, Spyro 2 was sort of my Mario 64 in a lot of ways. I mean, I played Spyro 1 well before Spyro 2, but Spyro 2 was like the one. As far as collectathons go, that really, they had the mechanics down really tight. The controls were really tight. And it was a collectathon without feeling like it wasn't DK64, just way over the fucking top. It was varied and totally achievable if you wanted to do everything. You didn't have to put in 100 hours and do all this boring, repetitive shit. Have you uh, played the Banjo games? Uh, a little bit. Donkey Kong 64 is far and away the the worst case scenario for that genre of like 3D platformer. It's not hard to not get that to that level of collectathon, but I haven't really spent too much time with the Spyro games. I think I rented rented one of them at some point. I'll bring back the Reignited Trilogy for you because I, I would be curious for you to play the first couple of levels. And I mean, I don't know. Those games might not hold up for a lot of people uh, without the nostalgia, right? So I don't know if you would like it. It's reviewing it. pretty well, but I mean, I'm sure a lot of those reviewers are also, like you said, nostalgia-driven. Dan Riker loved it, and he never played Spyro. He platinumed it. That's true. Also, I mean, he loves anime now, so... Hey, number one anime podcast. I don't get Dan Riker. If you guys are listening to this podcast, you probably know who he is. Don't fucking get that giant nerd. Dude's been given, like, fucking Marvel movies two stars because it's... You know, so unrealistic, and I can't believe the stupid shit that comes out of their mouths. And I'm like, dude, your life literally revolves around fucking wrestling. His biggest complaint is that uh, none of the superheroes kill the bad guys. Welcome to superheroes, asshole. He likes Punisher. Punisher's badass. I like the TV show. Dude, the show is really awesome. John Bernthal, man. John Bernthal's pretty B.A. It had the same problem all the Netflix Marvel shows had where it was just too long, but it was still pretty good. They could have cut two episodes out and really told that last arc a little more concisely, but I think it was the best Marvel Netflix show behind Daredevil 1. Easily, for me. I know we disagree. You're a Jessica Jones fan, but that show had one good thing. I've heard really good things about Daredevil Season 3 also. Haven't seen it yet because I didn't watch Defenders because the MCU Netflix series just sort of unraveled after, uh, really after Luke Cage, but even that was sort of... Second half of Luke Cage is really soft. Yeah, really. Iron Fist, I I didn't like his name, something, but the guy who uh, played Danny Rand, okay. I didn't like his direction in that uh, series, but like everything else is really good. I liked the characters and the plot points and everything. The pacing was a little bit wonky, but like I said, that's all of them. 
Yeah. Like all the villains in Iron Fist were really tight. Did you watch uh, Jessica Jones 2? Not yet, no. Yeah, I, I started it and I just cringed and turned it off. But I mean, you weren't like a huge fan of Jessica Jones season one, so. No, again, like I said, one good thing was was David Tennant and they fucking killed him. Spoiler alert. So. David Tennant was pretty awesome, huh? He's fucking great. I liked him as a villain much more than I liked D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I loved D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I thought he was brilliant. He rang a little bit uh, hollow to me where it seemed just a little bit too tryhard. Looked like he was flexing his neck too hard. It was just like, uh. It was that latent rage. It wasn't that latent. <laughs> it was very on the surface. <laughs> I was going to say, I thought David Tennant's arc was the best, but he didn't really have an arc. He was, he was honestly, he was pretty neutral as far as his growth as a character, but like seeing his motivation. I mean, Kingpin didn't really have an arc either. He kind of just like progressed a little bit towards being more of a villain. Yeah. But like you got like, you know, a flashback and that was it. Well, I guess that's, I mean, there were villains so you can only spend so much time with them, but like at least there was a good characterization there for some of these villains where it's like you understand their motives enough and they're charismatic enough. You care. It's not just a, a faceless baddie that you're like, all right, no, we'll fucking kill you. Monster of the week. What's next? And David Tennant was just a great incel bad guy. It was interesting seeing his, his motivations. This is totally fucking tangential, but how this guy could literally walk into Avengers Tower and like rule the fucking world but all he wanted to do was like hang out with some chicks and eat Chinese food yeah <laughs> like he was just a fucked up ass piece of shit dude but it was just bizarre a little bit of like a golden child kind of mentality just throwing temper tantrums yeah he got this unlimited power and it turned him into a fucking sociopath so that was awesome yeah really cool speaking of purple men what's the problem you never seen a dragon before <laughs> he's my fucking you love guy. that Tom Kenny voice acting don't you let me tell you what man so this game is a really faithful recreation of the original game. It's beautiful. There are some tweaks that make it feel a little more modern. You know, camera control, you know, makes it obviously feel like it was developed in the last 15 fucking years. But they did a couple things, like really small mechanic changes that most people wouldn't notice. But like I noticed having played the shit out of that series. And not even that long ago either, right? No, not that long ago. I anticipated it feeling exactly the way I remembered. And it doesn't. Not to say it's bad. The, or the way it feels is bad. It's just different. So it's taken me some time to get used to it. I finally, I finally realized that you could change the camera controls to be a active camera, so it feels more like the original, where it's always centered on Spyro. It feels much better to me, much more how I recall it being. But is there like a sensitivity slider on that too? I don't think there is. That's something I've seen in some games. That's really nice to be able to tune that. Yeah. So it's not like every time you turn the stick, you're facing that way and the camera's facing that way immediately. Like there's a little bit of a a follow drag. No, I don't think you can you can tweak that. But once I kind of got that dialed in and realized and and got used to the new controls, like I was like, dude, this is Spyro. So I played the first six or so worlds, uh, and and then Pokemon came out. So I haven't touched it since. But I think these are a, a better set of remakes than the Crash ones were. Uh, even in my limited time with it, by which metric? Just because the original Spyro games were better, I mean that puts them at a at advantage right away. Well, that's what's funny about it is Crash is like remembered more fondly. It sold better. It reviewed better. I think the Spyro games were better because it's a more timeless format. The 3D platformers, you know, we still have that, but we don't necessarily have the the faux 2D, you know, in that vein. So I don't know. Seemed like it took a lot more cues from Mario where it's just like the open levels and you're just like on a playground picking stuff up. No, it's totally exactly what it is. I mean, as opposed to like going from point A to point B like Crash was. Really both biting Mario in some respects, just different versions of Mario. I mean, most games do, but that's I mean, true. Yeah, again, so I don't know if it's just, like I said, a, a product of the type of game it is, but 
this is like the Crash remakes. I wouldn't necessarily recommend to someone who didn't have the nostalgia for Crash or wasn't really into that type of game. Like I can get the nine year old to play it and he'll love it. Like I don't think I could get you to play Crash and you just be like, yeah, that's a platformer. Feels old, you know. And you wouldn't sit there and beat the game. And but I think Spyro is something that I could let you borrow and you would play it and say, oh yeah, that was an enjoyable three D platformer. They're not they're not reinventing the wheel, but it's it's a really solid reimagining of of what I think is a classic fucking franchise. From the little time I've put into uh, Crash Bandicoot trilogy, I played mostly two. But it seemed like they didn't really iterate enough from level to level. Like it seemed like just a lot of the same thing. Yeah. Very padded. And that makes sense for like a kid's game that you, you know, reviews back then frequently had like a a value kind of aspect to them. So you wanted a game to last a certain amount of time. It also helped them uh, sell more versus just the game being rented and beaten and returned. Right. So... I can understand why it felt padded and as a remake, you know, it seemed like their goal was to kind of keep the original game intact. So it's not like they were going to go remake, change up the level design or anything. A couple things I wish I could do with this game and I get why, you know, this is not necessarily an option. Switching back and forth with the old graphics. And this is not something I necessarily wanted with Crash, but Spyro is among the absolute best looking games of that generation um, and for a few reasons so there was some of it was from a tactical standpoint they did things no other game did with like draw distance and just like the level of detail that they could get on screen at once and then just the character designs expire to me is such an iconic design when I think of that old shitty polygonal mess and it's just iconic to me and I love it in a way that crash the character might be iconic but the actual game design, he's just... A, an orange triangle. He looks like a Dorito. Exactly, yeah. So it's not really... But Spyro, man. And so I wish I could do that, but I really miss the old voice acting. Yeah, the original game had a different voice actor than the second two. But even the second one, I think the, the guy who's doing Spyro is the same voice now. Well, two and three was Tom Kenny. Okay, And yeah. now Tom Kenny's back. And so the first the first uh, Spyro was a different voice actor. I, I don't remember the voice in that one, but I, I really vividly remember Spyro 2. And so... That was Tom Kenny then. So that that's all fine and dandy. But whoever plays the what's his fucking name? Hunter that and, Cheetah. <laughs> and uh yeah, Hunter. And then um who who who's the the fawn? Fiona or some shit. I can't remember now. Probably. Uh, but uh in money bags and like I, I just I want to hear the old voices again. Um in Ripto, yeah. Even Ripto although Ripto I can't remember now. He could have fooled me as being the original guy. I don't remember. He, he was all That's right. something I remember from just uh, the Crash remake is that it seemed like they, I don't know if they had the same voice actors necessarily, but it seemed to match the level of camp and oh, yeah. like the animation quality was infinitely better, but like just the, it got the vibe, it got the look and feel right. Cause like as much as these games are made for like the 25 to 30 year olds, they still have to target what they're originally targeting, which is the five to 10 year olds. Oh, totally. Or to feel right to us looking back on it, looking forward at back on it. It's this weird kind of geometry of getting a nostalgia grab to feel right. Right. Well, that's the biggest challenge with these games is they can't be a direct remake. Oh, it can't be a one for one. It has to play how we remember it. And how we remember it is not how it really was. We have these idealized versions that have been made and remade in our memories for two decades. Right. This is why something like ukulele didn't do nearly as well as we wanted it to do is because they really went for this authentic feel 
And 20 years later, you have to look at it and say, maybe that's not the best idea because this just doesn't hold up. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't play right. This is what Shovel Knight did so well, whereas they took these timeless tropes and these you know iconic designs and the and the the mechanics it plays how we remember the smooth just responsive it's like you play an nes game that is not what those games were yeah they they have bad bad physics and the hit detection's awful and yeah obviously you know the idealized sort of look at it but it also helps that 2d platformers as in general have a much higher ceiling for being good right as opposed to a 3d platformer yeah there's a reason why 3D platformers are not made very frequently. It's because they're really hard to get right. They cost a lot. They take a lot of time to figure out just the, the perfect secret sauce for them. It's pretty much just Nintendo that does them. Well, aside from, like I said, I've only played a little bit, but aside from kind of what we talked about, I guess the, the other thing is the story. They've sort of revamped. They've added some stuff, different cutscenes, a couple of different weird little um not just character moments, but little plot devices. So, and I get it. They're, they're trying to pad it out a little bit and make some things make sense and make it a little more well-rounded as a quote-unquote story. Uh, and so, and I, I'm fine with it. You know, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's like not exactly what I remember, but like, boo-hoo. They got enough yeah, right. Yeah, some of the that, examples, I, I I feel like I, I'm not entirely sure because like I said, I haven't played this game yet, but some something I heard people talking about were like the boss dragons were actually designed this time was it like last time where they're like an asset flip or was that what was i hearing about that i'm not sure like they i just saw a short like video clip of like a giant dragon i'm assuming it's actually i don't even know which one that would be from would that be from you're the dragonfly what do you mean a giant dragon just a like bigger than spyro or like a giant huge dragon because like in spyro one you're freeing all the dragons get like fucking kidnapped and frozen and so right. you're freeing all the adult dragons and you're just, peep, you, you know, Spyro's a pipsqueak and the other dragons are these giant motherfuckers. Yeah. It was just like a video clip of like one of those giant dragons like slapping his belly or whatever, mm. doing a doing a sumo thing. But I mean, you know, take some artistic license. I mean, you're working with, a, with characters that have like 30 polygons each. You know, you got to have to, a lot of room for interpretation there. You know, I haven't played the first Spyro, the remake yet, so I can't speak from experience. But one thing people were talking about online was that they took a lot of the generic dragon designs from the first one, and yeah, they injected this character and life into all of them and made them all unique and gave them all their, all their own little bits and pieces to work with. So that's cool. I like that. It, they they made these feel like really full-fledged games, and the fact that you're getting three for, you know, 40 bucks or whatever, like that's fucking stellar. Yeah, it's awesome. So um, I, I really recommend you check it out at least and give it the old college try. As they say. I will when I'm not uh, inundated with other games to play. That's true. There's so many. Uh, It's funny when I I brought up, hey, let's talk Pokemon on this podcast. You're like, well, I can't talk about Pokemon for that long. I've only played it for like 15 hours this weekend. And I'm like, dude, that's two fucking days of just Pokemon. (laughs) That's plenty enough to do a comprehensive look. Hey, man, that's three days. I got it on Friday. Fair enough. Fair enough. What time did you get it? You like to pick it up early? I got it shipped. Oh, did you? Okay. What time did I get in? Uh, by the time I was awake, so <laughs> between uh, 8 a.m. and 3 p.m. I don't know, sometime. Okay, there. so, all right. Yeah, I uh, I actually had Friday off from work because I was supposed to be in Portland for a show, which, update, for all of you out there listening, wondering if I made it to my show, I was going to be pissed if I missed. I fucking missed it, thanks to a shoot that went late that had 
been rescheduled for the, the day of the show and not the day before the show. So that's just the world saying, EJ, you can't go to shows unless it's uh, Coed and Cambria in Las Vegas. Fucking apparently. And motherfucker, I tell you what, I got Kiss tickets. I'm seeing them Portland, Tacoma, Vegas in February and be damned if I fucking miss that shit. Not going to happen. All three of them? Uh, I, I could miss Tacoma. I could give my Tacoma ticket to somebody else. I, we'll see after the first night if I want to drive all the way up there with my old man. But Vegas is that weekend too. So this could be your last chance to see Love Gun, dude. He's talking about his dick. <laughs> Get it, dude? I made that reference in the car today. Love Gun literally popped up on my shuffle, and I was like, "Dude, so dead. you guys, you get that?" And my buddy Jake's like, "Whoa!" I'm like, "Dude, pull the trigger on my Love Gun, dude." <laughs> The most mind-blowing song of 1976. Oh, dude, we are such mature 25, 26, 27-year-old men. I was supposed to have Friday off anyway. That's what I was getting at. And so I didn't. I stayed in in Eugene instead of driving back to Portland for a show I was going to miss. So I ended up waking up. I slept in. and I went into work for like five, five and a half hours anyway to take care of some loose ends. But it was nice, though, because I, you know, I kind of got to go to work, be casual. Like, it felt like a day off still, even though I went in and did stuff. It wasn't like... Everyone was like, why are you here? I was like, uh, had some stuff to take care of. So I didn't feel there was no pressure. I just kind of go take care of things at my pace. And then, yeah, went to lunch and then got to go pick up Pokemon. Uh, you know, I don't know what time that was, about one o'clock probably. And you got the bundle too, right? I did get the bundle. So there are a lot of things I want to talk about this game, man. I was really worried about this, okay? Really worried about it. I could tell. I just, I, we talked on here at one point. And I just said, why the fuck can they just make a, do a remake? Why couldn't they have just done taking this exact same formula and and just pasted, you know, Pokemon Yellow into it and not fuck with the... Just why? Let me tell you, man, after playing this game for 20 hours, I'm really glad they did what they did. That is shocking to hear. Shocking. Not just okay with it. I am glad. I'm shocked to say it, dude. Almost everything. Not everything, but almost everything. I am just like, that was a fucking good idea. That is... It streamlines it. It, it, it just, I have been addicted. It's reinvigorated the completionist to me. How did you feel when you got to the other side of the Diglett Cave and you got that light up special technique or whatever and you walk outside and your rival's like, hey, do you want me to just take you to the rock cave? Like, let's just fast travel there, whatever. I, to- I hit yes. I was like, you know what? If, I, if this was the first time I was playing this game, I would say no, and I would go and use cut and backtrack to Pallet Town, talk to some people, you know, do the RPG things. You know what? I've played red and blue and yellow. I'm just going to fast travel to the Rock Cave. Fuck, Fuck it. it. It was nice. Dude, you know what? Tell you what. I did like that. <laughs> I liked it like in Pewter City when I, I and I know it was going to happen. A little fucking shithead was going to stop me. And have you been to the gym? Have you seen the gym? And I knew it was going to stop me, but I always do it anyway. I always walk out before I do anything in Peter City. I walk out and have him take me to the gym. I don't know why. And I like that. He just zooped me over there. I was like, oh, it's sick. And I have to watch a shitty animation while I walk through it at snail's pace. That would have been really funny, though. I hope they do. If they do a remake of like Gold and Silver, I hope they have the guy that walks you around the town and gives you the map. Oh, I really hope so. In that first city, you know? Well, I was really bummed not to get the guy in Viridian who, you know, the guy who hasn't had his coffee yet. Yeah. And instead it was like Team Rocket standing there blocking the path. Interesting choices. I mean, it seemed like they really wanted to get a lot of the vibes of the anime in this. Which makes sense because that was the whole point of Pokemon Yellow was to capitalize on the anime's popularity. And, and dude, I tell you what, the first time I fought a, a Rocket Grunt and that R with the watercolor background showed up, <laughs> right? I, I was tickled. That was sick. Was gorgeous, dude. dude. So <laughs> the Pokemon Let's Go 
remakes of Pokemon Yellow with quite a bit added from a story perspective and, you know, which so far has been cool. They tweak some things like your rival isn't blue anymore. And they reference, I mean, you meet blue. Yeah, blue's in the game. And I, I saw a screenshot that was like, uh, or like a video clip that was, apparently you can go back, talk to Professor Oak and blue will be there. And like Professor Oak would be like, oh, this is my grandson. What's his name again? Blue's like, dude, that joke is so old. Stop using that. Like, it's not funny. Oh, I love that. That's so <laughs> great. Oh, you spoiled it for me, man. Oh, that's great though. It's adorable. Just like really fun, like character moments like that. Or Brock. Brock is like, yeah, I'm in Celadon or in Saffron. Celadon? Celadon. Trying to get into the gym where Erica is. He's like, yeah, but they won't let me inside for some reasons. Like, because he's a pervert, like in the anime, you know? So this game is Babby's first RPG. So if, which we've said about the last, I don't know how many Pokemon games. A hundred percent. So if this is a game where you're expecting any sort of, I don't even say challenge because there is some challenge here and the RPG mechanics are deeper than you would think given the changes that they made. But if you're expecting anything less than what we've got in the past, like, you know, I I was surprised friend of the podcast, Max bought it because he was so fucking mad at the last two iterations. X and Y he played but bitched about, and then Sun and Moon he said, fuck this game, I hate this, and returned it or got rid of it or something. And threw it in the trash, let it on fire. I threw it on the ground. I'm shocked he bought this game on day one has been playing it, but... He's he's easily susceptible to his friends being excited for stuff, so... I, I don't blame him either. Like, you want to be a part of that zeitgeist, you want to... Of course, you get swept up, I mean, that's half the reason why I buy... A quarter of the games I bought. I'm gonna say I was all excited for Red Dead. I'm glad I didn't buy it. I warned you against that. If you had bought that and tried it and like had a horrible time, I'd be like, well, fucking don't hate it. <laughs> uh, so the biggest change in Pokemon Let's Go, catching Pokemon. Well, yeah, I mean it's like two changes. I think that seeing Pokemon in the overworld is a huge change too. Amazing. How often are you just running around avoiding the grass? And you're like, wait, I don't have to avoid the grass. It's not like anything's gonna pop out all at me. the time. But dude, dude, <laughs> it, I'm breaking old habits. Um, but I love seeing them in the overworld now. That is, in a lot of ways, what we've wanted for 20 years, right? We want it to 100%. see these Pokemon running around. And now that we have it, it's exactly what, it, you know, it's it's perfect. Um, and, the, and it's not that it's not random encounters because they still can pop up and you surprise you or you run into them on accident. So it's still... Yeah, but guess what? You just be out, you're done. That too. You can just run away and it's no problem. It's interesting how... They do some of the catching mechanics. So for, let's talk from a technical standpoint. Motion controls. Thought was going to be a really big issue. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to play this game entirely in handheld. I've been completely wrong. While the touch or the motion controls are a little finicky at times, it took me a while to realize that I have to center, you know, I have to I have to reset my Joy-Con every time by holding it straight out in front of me. Every time I hit go, and that calibrates it so then you get a perfect throw. And that Took me a while to realize that. But once I did, I was like, okay, this is no problem. Just a little flick of the wrist. Uh, I love that I can play with one hand. Took me a minute to get used to because at first I was playing on the Pokeball and it, the thumbsticks were really small. So trying to do precise mo- movements with my right thumb, which I'm not used to controlling my uh, character with, was really disconcerting at first. Yeah, my mo- only real issue playing with the Pokeball is I'll be like, walking around an item in the overworld I'm like i'm just trying to pick this item up come on dude you're not facing the right way right trying to press because they have a as the the stick button which i might have swapped or at least like given the option to swap or something i don't know i don't know what the solution to that would be 
Just put two. Just put two buttons on the top, dude. Come on, that's easy, right? I switched to Joy-Con, and that that was the move. So just doing the the one hand Joy-Con. Yeah, and I've played it handheld, and I think that's the best way to play. In an ideal world, they would patch in Pro Controller support, and you could play it that way. And then you know when you're catching Pokemon when you're playing handheld, it moves like uh like say you're aiming like your arrow or something in Zelda. Yeah, or like Splatoon. Yeah, or Splatoon. Right. You have to be a little more precise because the the if you're slightly askew, you'll fucking miss or not get your perfect throw. So you have to be a little more precise. And like, I'm fine with that though. I think that's the best way to play. And I wish that I could use my pro controller. I don't understand why they haven't done it. Like it's clearly coded into the game, right? You could easily do it with a pro controller. I just don't get it. Or even two joy cons in the pro grip. Yeah. I wonder if that was just like an oversight or if it was like, Hey, we need to try and push this pokeball peripheral or, or it's just trying to differentiate the series in more ways than one. It was just like, well, this game is not Pokemon. This is a different right. thing. Well, I think it's totally fucking silly. A lot of these changes should be implemented in the next core game. Like the Pokemon right, the Overworld? Yeah. Fuck, dude. That sh- that should never go away. Ever. I've been saying that for years, dude. Yeah, it's great. Years. I wish, I wish, because from playing Earthbound, I find myself doing things that I would do in Earthbound. Like if a po- I try to approach Pokemon from behind... I feel like that should give you an advantage for your first throw if you approach them from behind. Like, there's stuff totally. they can iterate. They can iterate totally. on this this concept ad nauseum, you know? I would say that I, I do want to see the option to battle Pokemon. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if it's necessary because now you get experience for, for catching Pokemon. And I'm right. fine with that. The My only issue with this, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, my only issue with with that new system... I would be totally fine with skipping every wild Pokemon battle because now you can just go catch them to to get your experience. The problem with that is it can be finicky to catch them, so it sometimes be easier to just one-shot wild Pokemon for experience than it is to try and catch something, but not that much more. My only issue is that, okay, well, now I just want to go get some quick experience and get my team. And of course, now you, you basically just have an experience share. It's not stated. It's just... Yeah, and they've had that for a while. It seems like... You got an experience share by default in like X and Y at the beginning, right? Pretty close yeah. to I feel it. like that was a thing. Yeah. It's like, why wouldn't I use the XP share? You're not, lo- it's not like in the original game where you would lose, you'd get less experience for your main Pokemon. Yeah. And like the rest would be divvied up. So it's like, I'm just getting experience for everybody. No, and I, I love that because now my team is all even across the board. And I get, if you are one of the few weirdos who actually like the grind, and a lot of people think they did. A lot of people thought they liked the grind of going and just fighting wild Pokemon willy-nilly till they grinded their the entire party up to the requisite level. And I can understand that. There is something kind of soothing about just like not really like full focus playing the game, but just like pressing left and right, getting wild encounters, pressing A. Maybe experience left and right. Like it's it's a it's a a, a low stake sort of not paying attention kind of interaction. I, I get that, but I don't They're miss it. your thumbs in the game, you know? Sure. Which when we, had, when we were kids, we had infinite time. So like we valued that experience. Yeah. I didn't, I was not one of the kids who fooled myself into thinking that I love the grind. I knew from a very young age, I hated it. I hated grinding my party up. So my team was always my starter as strong as I could make them. And then I just kept all the legendaries I possibly could along the way. A couple of victory road Pokemon and you would just ride your fucking Blastoise or your Charizard all the way through the league four. I didn't, I didn't keep, you know, my party, you know, I, there was no parody there. 
because I didn't care. You didn't need to. That's why I like the experience shares because the idea of actually having a party you can rely on everybody, and then you can start actually building, you know, you know, getting into types and and abilities and saying, okay, I really want my team to be X, Y, and Z because now I can still play casually and have fun, but still have all these things on the back end that I want now. I don't know. Maybe I just played it differently, but I just remember ordering my team from lowest level to highest level and I would swap them out as their levels reached parity. And that was like my strategy. And then after, you know, beating a boss with just like one Pokemon, because, you know, of course my level 25 Doug trio or whatever is going to sweep Lieutenant Surge. Like I would just put them at the bottom of the list, you know? Yeah. No. Get to you. I'll get back to you. I get it. <laughs> I get that. And so if that's what you want out of this game, you're not going to fucking find it. So you can, I think you could turn off experience share. I'm not sure. No, not that I saw in the settings. Well, even then they replaced that grind with like a different kind of grind. Absolutely. You you got catch combos. Yeah. And that is very satisfying. Guess who has a shiny geo dude just by accident. Really? This guy. Very cool. Geo (laughs) dude. That's cool, man. Get that golden golem, dude. I could, or I could trade it. I think if you uh, trade the guy for the Alolan graveler, I think he'll, uh, trade you a shiny if you have trade him a shiny i'd have to look into that yeah make sure you save get that, that get that shiny alolan get that steel or what is it it's like steel electric i think ground electric rock electric i think it's rock electric i remember but they look really weird they've got like fucking weird eyebrows and shit yeah they got weird eyebrows with like that like specks of uh gold in them i wonder what the shiny looks like maybe it's gold with like specks of diamonds in there yeah. oh. so getting back to just real quick my only problem with the new system and that I'm just catching Pokemon to get experience now is that that means I'll just have like a box with like 9,000 Pidgey and that's super irritating. Luckily, the box is on your person at all times. There's no more PC system. You just get to go to your and main you menu. you send them to Oak. And you send them to Oak and it gives you some candies to make your Pokemon stronger. So in a lot of ways, this really is just a streamlined version of everything. It's all better. Yeah, I mean, just replace... I mean, people who think that trying to get the perfect IV for your Pokemon that EV training them is fun. Like you're sick, you know, get some help. And it's, it's fucked up cause you can still do that now, but now it's all cat streaks. So, you, you know, 10 cat yeah, it's streamlined. Like you're actually playing the game while you're doing that. So right. Net benefit, you know, now you're, you, you can get cat streaks by catching the same Pokemon over and over and over. So say you're farming, you know, Geodude, I think it's 10 to 20. You get one perfect EV 20 to 30 to two and so on and so forth for every 10. I don't know if you max out at four or five. I don't think it maxes at six perfect EVs for wild encounters. It's, I want to say it's four or five. You can't get a six flawless in the wild. I might be totally wrong about that. I'm not sure if this is for EVs, but I remember seeing something that like after 30 catch streak, that's like your highest chance of like shiny Pokemon at least. No, um, you get, it's a, it's a roll system. So you get like one at 30 or 40 or 50 or something. You get one roll and whatever the, chances and then i think that goes to three it rolls three times on your random encounter to pause to get a shiny and that maxes out at three i think i i was reading a whole table that broke down the the catch streaks and the benefits all i know is i have a shiny geodude bad ass and i think it's the i might have got a shiny pokemon in one of 3ds games but the only other time I encountered a shiny Pokemon was in the original uh, Silver. Mm-hmm. I ran into a shiny Giraffe Rig. Ooh. And I just killed it because that, that Pokemon sucks. I don't want that. <laughs> you piece of shit. Nobody wants that. Fair. The Fair. worst Pokemon ever. <laughs> Shitty Giraffe with a dumbass tail. <laughs> uh, 
Well, anyway, the whole the whole new system I think totally works, and I thought it'd be I'd be put off by it, and instead I think it's brilliant. And I really want them to make. I would absolutely play a gold silver remake in a heartbeat. I would play a ruby sapphire remake like this. Absolutely, I would do diamond pearl. I think they should do all the remakes and they should alternate. Do a let's go one year and do a core the next year. I think that's totally feasible. They should at least please God give us a proper Johto Gen. Let us go to all sixteen gyms, like the whole nine yards. Right? You mentioned earlier as far as mechanic changes, Sun and Moon did away with like HMs. All for the better. All for the better. So now they have these things called secret techniques, and they, they're the same as HMs, but now they're techniques that, as far as in canon goes, these are techniques that human beings learn. So you learn the secret technique, chop down, which is cutting trees, you as a human with no tools. And at first it's like, okay, what? A, yeah, okay, dude, you can learn to cut a tree down. But oh, but your Pikachu wants to learn it instead. All right, dude. But then... Nick, when you would learn that fucking flash from the professor's aide that you mentioned earlier. I think they named it Light Up or something. But it's like, you feel the energy from within and you close your eyes and you just emit a vibrant light. Wait, so makes sense that Pikachu can learn flash. But you're saying that originally you were trying to teach me, you were trying to teach the human being to channel his inner fucking chi and light up this dark cave through his pores. That's so fucking weird. And no one's talking about that. That's weird as hell. You know what? Goku would be disappointed in you. Don't get me started. You just got to believe. You have to feel the power, all right? If Videl can fly, say, even Videl. you can emit light. <laughs> well, I mean, fucking Krillin, he's Earthling. He, he can fucking destruct our I don't know disc. if he's Earthling. He's totally an Earthling. He doesn't have a nose. <laughs> he cut it off when he got those dots branded on his forehead. So, and he forgot that he had a nose and that the stinky finger wasn't actually effective against him. And he had to be reminded. Okay, he's not a person. Uh, okay, so what about Yamcha? He can wolf fang fist. He can fucking spirit bomb. And he dies. Genki Dama, dude. Well, yeah, but he's still like the strongest earthling besides... Yeah, what about Tien? Is Tien an earthling? He is an earthling, and he's a descendant of the three-eyed people. Oh, yeah, okay. Hey, that's <laughs> canon, bitch. People. That's canon. What about Chao Tzu? Is he a person? Chao Tzu is a mime, okay? Get <laughs> off of him. <laughs> Mimes aren't people. <laughs> That's IRL canon, okay? <laughs> Mimes aren't people. They don't get Miranda rights. That's why Mr. Mime and Detective Pikachu was being harassed. <laughs> Interrogated. <laughs> Illegally. Uh, anyway, I, I got to talk about the graphics in this game. And not just the graphics, Nick, but something about Sun and Moon that fucking infuriated me was that the Pokemon company did not know how to develop a 3D game. So it was this weird in-between where it was kind of 3D and they went away from just like... 3D models, but still in the 2D overworld formula. And they're actually experimenting with different camera angles and like having a free roam system. But but they had weird gated levels. And sometimes you'd go into the next gated level area and the camera angle would completely change all fucking weird. And uh, sometimes you'd just be walking and you just walk past an invisible barrier. And your camera angle would change. Really disconcerting. Not enjoyable. You look at it and say... Guys, there's a formula for how 3D games should fucking play and how this should fucking work. And for some reason, you're not able to do it. The only time that affected me was in X and Y and Lumio City. That, Everything else Yeah, was that was bad. Sun and Moon, it pissed me off, dude. It absolutely pissed me off. It's like, just stick to a, a, a 3D overworld sort of thing. And they went back to that here and it works flawlessly. Beautifully. They still have some like camera shifts, but it's never along like a... 
a rotational axis. It's just sort of like pointing more down. Sure. Like in Erica's gym, like so you can see behind trees and stuff. And that's totally fine. It's still more or less top down overworld. Yeah, it's still your classic three quarters view of a, a Pokemon game. I mean, this is what Pokemon games look like. It's what RPGs look like for hundred years. But they they nailed it. I think this was a beautiful transition to fully 3D uh, in, in HD world. Dude, the graphics, Nick. It's got this like classic sort of Dragon Quest vibe or like like uh, uh, Nino Kuni, which I played for a bit. You know, just this really charming PS2 era like cartoony aesthetic. Yeah, you know, I mean, these games are like cartoons. You don't have to have like a realistic grass texture, you know, just very Not impressionistic like art, you know. Right. Like the trees look awesome. And they are clearly taxing because if you walk in front of a tree, you will get hardcore frame drops. I know, right? Isn't that funny? I'm like walking. I'm like, why is this suddenly 10 frames per second? What is... Oh, this what tree. Happened? It is tree. <laughs> Who put that sort of widow there? Who? Pseudo-woodo. <laughs> <laughs> That's so creepy. I hope that we get a let's go gold and silver. What would the two Pokemon be? Togepi and Meryl. Done. Lock it in. Togepi and Meryl. They both got a ton of FaceTime in the anime. The peekaboo thing. Peek-a-blue. You know, fucking Misty It was always carrying the Togepi around. It's Yeah, but Eevee was like, not really, no, Eevee was like whatever. It could have easily been let's go Pikachu, let's go Meowth. You know, yeah. Imagine that, like doing the, we're the bad guys. They, no, see if you, they just do the opposite. If the, if the other game would have been literally just the other half of the story or something like that would have been really cool. Oh. That would have uh. been really cool. Unprecedented. Oh. They wouldn't have done, done it though. Um, no, it'd be it's going to be Togepi and Meryl if they do it. And I really hope so. They're both cuddly and adorable. They're both unique from each other. Uh, and and they're, it's again, it's iconic characters from. I think they could have gotten away with just doing a w- single version. I think they should have done that. I agree with you. They should have done well, a nine version. times out of 10. They should do that, but they want to sell twice as many copies, but I don't know if it's any harder for them on the development side to make these two different games. Probably not. I mean, it's just like the same exact game, but you just swap out the Eevee for the Pikachu. But if there was this one version and you got to choose your starter, like a traditional Pokemon game, mm-hmm. I think that'd be nice. Like the, like the starter choices and, gold and silver i do appreciate that the partner pokemon has a lot of character and it makes sense you know it's pikachu it's a remake of pokemon yellow which is why the eevee thing didn't make sense to me but that's my least favorite aspect of the game and i wish i wasn't tied to it i don't necessarily want my partner pokemon always in my party right and they they even like revamped the follow mechanic that they had in heart gold soul silver like all your po- all your pokemon can follow you and if they're big enough you ride on them and like they're all to scale which is amazing I have an Arcanine in my party for the sole purpose of running around on Arcanine. <laughs> Dude, that's why I'm trying to get like a Alolan Ninetales. Can you ride it on uh, Ninetales? I'm not sure. Probably. Probably. I'm not sure. I, I, I caught a Ninetales. I could I could check for you. You should check, man, because I would love to get the Alolan. I know you can get the Alolan Vulpix in a, in a trade somewhere. You see the ride animation for a Kangaskhan? I did not. Do you know? Dude. No. Dude, do you, you slip into sit his pouch? on Kangaskhan's shoulder? Oh, okay, and your Pokemon sits in the pouch. Oh, stop! It's <laughs> so adorable. My childhood, dude. I love it. I was really hoping you were going to be in the pouch. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but they're to scale. It's not big enough. That's true. That's true. Did you notice that like you seem to be a much older character in this game than prior games? I don't know if it's just, a, again, a scale thing because we finally have proportions. It's impossible for me to tell because they're all like chibi, you know, anime characters, huge eyes. So but like 
you run into like Joey with the fucking shorts, right? Youngster Joey. Youngster Joey with the fucking shorts. Well, it's like you bend down to talk to kids now. It's like you're Youngster Joey older. Coco Diaz. Youngster Uncle Joey. <laughs> Cocksucker. <laughs> hey, speaking of the devil, do you want to go see Joey Diaz on December 27th at the Healing Club with like Andrew and Pow and Mitchell? Seems weird. Dude, Joey's going to be in town I've for like never four days. to any of his stand-up. Um, I've listened to very little of a stand-up. It's all just been his podcast, him on Rogan, and his Twitter. <laughs> He's just a character, man. I saw a stand-up last year at Helium. Fucking great, dude. Just a hoot of a time. Comedy, is, I wish we had more local stuff going on because I feel like that would be, I would do that every weekend I was in town. Just get the boys, go to a I'm comedy sure if you club. you for it, you could find it. I went. I saw Carmel once at a like some local fucking hole in the wall gig. He had a couple of guys come through, opening for him. And dude, we had a blast, man. We just drank some beers and watched some comedians who most of them were pretty good. I mean, that that's really fun. Underrated, underrated Friday night, dude. Anyway, Joey Diaz, go see him with us. But back back, back to Pokemon graphics and shit. The detail, Nick, that they're able to cram onto a screen now on this giant TV. Not to mention like the animations like yeah the battle animations are super flimsy you use double kick your ev just jumps up in the air and a foot appears on your enemy i mean it's just like the old games and some i understand you have 150 you have 150 pokemon you cannot do bespoke animations for every single one no and you can't set that but precedent yeah, now like you said like i'm pretty sure the uh, move tutor moves all have special animations and like yeah. the special move you can do by shaking your joy con in the battle like that has a bespoke animation and everything, but, but the, I wanted to say the walking animations yeah, are both awesome and terrifying. Have you ever seen a Mr. Mime walking around? I have not. It is pure nightmare fuel. Uncanny, huh? Also, it's very strange to see an Ekans actually stretched out like a snake yes, would be. Very bizarre. Yes. Weird, right? It's, uh, you've never seen it like that before. No, it's always coiled up. Yeah. I wish he would have just puggled around. Boing, doing, doing. <laughs> <laughs> like Radley from Donkey Kong Country yeah. 2. I saw, I was in Celadon City last night and I went into where the Game Freak yeah. development studio is at the top of the building. Mm. And there's just a bunch of cute little details. You see the Pokemon yeah, red, the posters. green, blue, yellow, whatever. Yeah, the posters on the wall. Just adorable little details that you would have never been able to get in before. They got some stuff like that in the department store also. Yeah. Dude, going to a Pokemon and seeing like all of the items on the shelves in full detail, the sprays and the the balls. And it's just like, it's just really cool. It totally geeks me out, man. It's like, this is what Pokemon should have become on the GameCube all those years ago. Yeah. It's just really cool. Just a really lovingly crafted, very diorama-esque. And I'm afraid... Despite the lower sales, and part of that's barrier to entry is much, much higher. You know, you can't buy a 2DS for 80 bucks and then a game for 40. You know, $100, $120 barrier of entry. Now you're looking at a $360 or $380 or $400 barrier of entry, depending on what you buy, right? Um, so it makes sense that this is selling worse and the branding is weird and the the changes were met pretty, you know, with a lukewarm reception when they first announced it. So, and that was just like, I'm, I'm sure I saw the same thing that you saw, but like, that's just in the UK, and that's comparing it to a 3DS. So, like you said, the install base is only going to get bigger. I wonder yeah. how long of a tail this game is going to have. If this game is going to continue to sell throughout the year, 
and how it's going to compare to when Gen 8 inevitably comes next year. I, I'm honestly worried that Gen 8 is going to be a horrific letdown for me. Isn't that the risk of like every Pokemon game for you, though, at this point? Yeah, just as we get older and as the games stagnate, like, yeah. Part of the reason I'm probably okay with some of these changes and the the changes made to the catching system and all that has sort of reinvigorated, like I said, the completionist in me. Um, and we'll talk about the post game in a minute. But I think I enjoy this game as much as I am just because it is a nostalgic revisit to something I love dearly from my childhood. Mm. And if this were a new game with new monsters and new cities and new faces. I just don't think I would really give a fuck. I wonder because the barrier to catching Pokemon is a lot lower and that it's easier. And also you can see when, Oh, I haven't seen that Pokemon before. I'm going to try to catch it or I'm going to build a catch streak with like some easy Pokemon in this area and see if anything rare comes out. So I wonder if that would be like enough because my, a lot of the problems I've had, well, not even the problems like, it was a benefit in some ways too, like an X and Y. I just remember, man, I'm running into so many unique Pokemon in this first like couple routes. Like I had like 30 or 40 Pokemon before I even fought like the second gym leader. And that was like, they just had such a, a density of Pokemon. They weren't all in that same generation, I don't think. So I wonder what the like metrics would be if they, you know, cause there's 800 freaking Pokemon now. I don't many. know what this game would be like if there was 800 of them. I wonder if it would be any better than the games are now where it's just like random encounters. It's like, well, you know, I'm hunting for a specific Pokemon. I feel like it's a lot easier when they're visible in the overworld and you can kind of game the system by doing the catch combos. I don't think they can make a game where they included all 800 and still implemented the system, you know, the overworld system where they're just free roaming. I don't think they could do that. From a technical perspective or from a design perspective? From a design perspective. It'd be a logistical nightmare, like like just encounter rates. Kanto, like, well... There's enough areas. I feel like Kanto also has a lot less routes than some other games do. I mean, yeah, so gold and silver is literally twice as big. All the areas, the, the variety would have to be drastically diminished and you'd have to really segment. Like you can only find X, Y, and Z in this area. Or you could even do stuff like, um, and I think it was Ruby and Sapphire or maybe a diamond pearl when they uh, first introduced the, uh, what do they call it? When like Pokemon, like horde, like hordes of a specific Pokemon would show up. They did and that. It was like a time gated thing. They did that. It was Ruby Sapphire. No, Gold Silver. When they first implemented the phone, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, but I was just thinking of like, try like waiting days and days trying to catch a Beldum. Oh, okay. In a Ruby Sapphire, but yeah, I mean, you're right. They had like stuff with the phones. They could easily do it. Like, oh, I mean, games of service, dog. Timed events. Yeah, it's player, true. Player, you know, getting players to play on like a schedule. Pokemon fans would be into that. I mean, do it something like Animal Crossing. You know, you can only find this Pokemon on a Friday in this certain area or like Safari Zone. Like, oh, we're doing a Safari for Steel Pokemon. And you go there and you find just a whole mess of Steel Pokemon. There's there's a, a very high ceiling for the design space for implementing sure. large varieties of Pokemon. Yeah, but, you know, that's something that I hope they build to. I hope that next year, and really I think they could do it in a year, is like, dude, give us the next gen. Give us that Johto remake. Give us all. It's got to be a true remake, though. Don't like skip out and just give us the eight, you know, gym leaders and whatever. That'd be bullshit. That's something I can see them doing. Give us a proper remake. Test the waters. They didn't do that with the uh, Heart Gold, did they? No, no. They gave us a full fledged remake, um, thankfully. But yeah, I, I would say do this every year, every other year until you get to, through the remakes of uh, Gen 4. I'd be so okay with that. 
Yeah, this is a really good, like, a good way to revisit uh, prior, like, areas and, like, get those story beats in that world again. I would l- actually, you know what? Gold and Silver would be great because those are my favorite games. But honestly, Ruby Sapphire would be awesome for this because of the unique weather air- weather effects. Yeah. And, like, the, the verticality of the locations. Yeah. And how how they would implement, like, water and, like, the underwater traversal, if that would be, like, any better now with like 20 years of experience no i think they could sort of make up for past sins right with the last remake they did just being uh, a wet fart to steal an idiom from you (laughs) just yeah and i mean a lot of that i think was just your general displeasure with the 3ds pokemon games and then like making ruby sapphire in that mold you know like it was still gen 7 or gen 6 because that was after x and y Uh, is there anything else well, you know what I, I have in my notes here. I want to mention real quick. The evolution screen is gorgeous. It's the coolest evolution screen we've ever gotten uh, where where it, like it's all spacey and there's like a nebula in the background and then you, you rise up in this shiny little ball and whew, things are spiraling up. And The then, trade animation is pretty uh, good sort of a facsimile approximation of the old school trade animation also. You know, I I think as far as like authenticity, I agree with you. You get bonus points for that. But it was kind of a bummer after seeing the Evo screen, like going back to just like the plane, like just a couple of just boop, boop down the pipes. It's kind of boring. Well, I mean, it was just a much more like deliberate animation in the old games, whereas the animation screen or the evolution screen in the original red and blue was just like the silhouette flashing back and forth. Right, right, right. Uh, Is there anything else that uh, in your experience with this game that you've enjoyed or not enjoyed or anything you want to mention specifically before we wrap up? They've done some really cool remixes with the music. Mm. Like the cave theme is also mixed in with like with the rocket lair theme occasionally. Like there's uh, like leap motifs being sort of sewn in. Yeah. With the melody. Very interesting. They don't have, it would have been cool to have uh, a larger variety of like boss music. Okay. It seems like the gym leader like themes are just that they're all the same. You get the rocket theme when you're fighting against like Giovanni, but like, it's like whatever, but right. I mean, I'm enjoying the soundtrack so far. Yeah, fun. I mean, just yeah, I know this place. Lavender Town was sick. I love the Rocket Lair. I mean, it's so metal, dude. Seriously, <laughs> Lavender Town was really cool because I thought the remake in uh, Fire Red Leaf Green didn't really capture the spirit of Lavender Town. The the, the really hollow, creepy. <laughs> Leave it to the GBA to have an awful sound chip. Well, yeah, but it wasn't just the sound chip. People always like to blame that. It was, it was the design and the sound design. It was, it was everything, and it was just a, ma- it was a design choice that they unintentionally sort of stripped. What Tony, I, though, like the the voicing on the Game Boy is just so good. I mean, like it holds up really, really well. Yeah, Game Boy sounds better than NES. Really? Definitely. Huh. Okay. In my opinion, at least. I mean, despite being a music guy, I'm not really a big music guy. You know what I mean? But dude, it's the it's the tone, all right? Okay. The waves just sound better on the Game Boy. I think it's less channels mm. and less instruments, but like it's still the best Game Boy soundtracks are better than the best NES soundtracks. Yeah, you know, the, the music's been a really quite the treat reimagined. Bro, okay, so you know, we were talking about the uh we should talk about the Game Boy or the not the Game Boy, but the Pokeball Plus. Interesting you, device. You said you're playing with the Joy-Con, you switch from the Pokeball to the Joy-Con. Yeah. I haven't used the single Joy-Con yet. I've only played in handheld and with the Pokeball. You should play with the Joy-Con if you like the one-handed 
the the concept of playing just one handed and kind of casual, which I've loved. I can snack with one hand, snack with my left hand. I've been able to lay down, literally prop up with my left arm under my cheek or my chin so I can kind of keep my head up, keep my glasses on. And I can just put my hand behind my head or up over the back of the couch and very casually play a full fledged game on my TV. Took me a minute, like I said, to get used to building up the dexterity of my right thumb for like those those fine motions, but I got used to it quick and I'd love it. Yeah, you're probably right that the Joy-Con would be a little bit better. The stick's bigger and you're not trying to press the stick in to interact with stuff. It's a lot better, dude. And my main problem with the uh, Pokeball is that I can't find a comfortable position to have both my fingers on the buttons yeah. and still like operate the stick in a natural way. Like if I have it rotated... Then I'm like trying to press left and I'm walking up and to the left. So I have to like rotate it and like like actually move my finger to press the B button. It's like just kind of annoying. I wish the whole unit was bigger. Actually, I I think it's like the right size. A little bit bigger might be nice, but this is like totally fine. I have and meaty it's paws. So good looking. It's it's gorgeous. And when I plugged it in to charge it, and I heard the 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 Pokemon Center theme, I was just so tickled. You know, with our Best Buy discount, you know, we got the thing for 80 bucks with the game. So really paying $20 for that peripheral is like acceptable to me. $40, I feel like it's pushing it. It's like, it's cute, it's quirky, but I use it the first time I played and I'll probably not use it for the game again. Well, I mean, retail is 50 by itself. So we bought the bundle and the bundle normally would be a hundred bucks. So it's, yeah. yeah. So that's out to be more like 32 for the uh, controller. Do you know... Much about the post game, Nick. I haven't done like any research, but I've seen people like mention it in like interviews. They bring it up and stuff with like the uh, Pokemon. I don't remember what they call it like the Master Trainers. Master or something Trainers. Like that. Can we get into this real quick? Yeah, sure. Do you mind the sp- okay? So spoilers for a twenty-year-old game. <laughs> well, no, it's totally new post game content, and this I really like this because again, well, it's the new com- content, but it's not like new story. It's like no, yeah, it's just spoil like content. I guess it's, 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 well, it's a thin line, but according to the fucking internet, you can. Fair is fair. Yeah. So so now you beat the game and now there are these people, the, the master trainers. There are 151 of them. Not even just that, but you can uh, challenge gym leaders again. Rechallenge them. Oh, that's very cool. I didn't know that. I think you can do that daily, actually. I don't want to do a story spoiler, but it's so cool. Can I spoil just a tiny thing for you? <sighs> How far along are you? Well, I haven't, I haven't encountered it. I saw it. I got it. Uh, I I didn't feel spoiled by I was just like that's so cool I'm I'm excited for that is it really cool or am I going to be more happy to encounter it IRL I want to talk about it okay all right okay I'm sorry if you get if you get if you feel like it's spoiler and you you get mad about it but so after you beat Giovanni okay you see blue in front of the gym yeah and he talks about like renovating it and taking over it very cool and after and you can fight him in that gym Oh really? He becomes the, yeah, he becomes a gym leader. He talks about like, oh yeah, it makes me look like a villain with all this like rocket gear inside. That's pretty cool. Because yeah, I mean, obviously he takes over it when you play uh, gold silver and you go back and yeah. he's the gym leader. And like Koga, Koga mentions being a good example for his daughter after you challenge him again and stuff like that. So they like they like have little homages to gold and silver. I like that a lot. It's cool. But anyway, the ma- the master trainer thing. Okay, there right. are 151 trainers and they each only have one creature. And they will only fight you if you have that same creature. So a few things this incentivizes. And like I said earlier, the, the completionist to me love this because I always go into a new game like this saying, I'm going to do a living dex. And for those who don't know what a living dex is, it's like... One of each. One of each. In prior games, that's one of each of the 800, which is crazy. Living dex is much more feasible in a game where you can only catch 151 of them, right? And so this incentivizes it, obviously, because now 
you need one of each to to actually finish the post game and beat all 151 of these trainers. And I'm like, this is something that I might actually take up going forward. And I wonder like how strong these trainers actually are. And does this really incentivize having to like farm for better stats and better characteristics? The characteristics, mind you, are adorable. Have you paid attention to any of the characteristics? Well, yeah, I've looked at the screen a little bit. Like it's just like the old um, descriptions for, um, I always get the the names mixed up because they don't have abilities in this game. Like you don't have a hard head or levitate or like stuff like that, but you have the the traits where you have, oh, this has higher attack and lower defense. It's like likes to frolic around and stuff like that. Right. They got rid of natures, right? That's what they got rid of. No, they got rid of abilities. Oh, so abilities. They have nature still, which is the stat different one. And abilities is like clear water where they... uh, their status effects run out at the end of the turn or levitate where they're not affected by ground moves or I think it's hardhead where you don't get uh, damaged by moves that would normally damage yourself like takedown. Right. I'm trying to recall or warm body which lets you hatch eggs faster. Which is one aspect of the game where you've got stripped from us. Yeah, it's the abilities. No abilities in this game. You can still, you can use like a dig and it'll hit a magnemite when every magnemite had levitate in the older games. After, um, I think they added that in Diamond and Pearl or Ruby Sapphire, Ruby Sapphire, because that's when they added the weather effects and like Sandstorm and right those things. I mean the a- the uh, breeding and, and egg hatching we got shipped of. Yeah, which you don't really need as much when you have the level of control over what Pokemon you catch. That's true. And the catch combos, you know, get you the better stats, and you can see them from that screen. It's just so so many good quality of life improvements. Right. I wonder. Actually, I haven't uh, encountered a move tutor, but today. Still learn like egg moves or is that completely stripped away too? Because I like the, that's like the one benefit I had from actually um, breeding Pokemon was getting them to have like the perfect move set. I, I don't recall. I never got into the, the minutia of, of all that. Wasn't for me. Wasn't for me. Very lightly dabbled. I know. I know like Max and Trev were really getting into it and I had them do some stuff for me when I was looking for certain things. But dude, overall, I'm really happy with this game. I can't wait to fucking play it as soon as we're done recording i'm not even gonna edit tonight i'm gonna play this i'm gonna play (laughs) spider-man how far are you uh i just beat erica and i am in the rocket layer right now okay i just finished the i'm on the route to um saffron okay i did a bunch of crazy things out of order like when i got to lavender town uh i just decided to not go into the tower and start that quest line which may have been stupid but i was like i'm gonna go exploring so i popped over to celadon beat erica uh, Brock gave me the tea. I opened up all the pathways. Went back up to Cerulean to putz around, see what was happening and some of those other routes that I didn't go on before. And I went to Saffron. I beat the dojo. Got me a, a Hitmonlee. Shout out to uh, my boy, uh, Crazy Eyes, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> That's why I was glad when you said that you're getting Hitmonchan uh, because Hitmonlee, I remember with the that Steve Buscemi bit and I photoshopped Buscemi's face onto that uncanny torso. drawing of like a real life Hitmonlee. <laughs> like, right. Uh, I forgot totally about that. dude. <laughs> right. Uh, and then I went back to uh, Lavender Town. I went to the tower and now I am rocket layer. Boom. Then I'll pop back to Saffron, you know, the whole nine yards. So actually, don't you go to Fuchsia City before Saffron? Isn't Kogo before Air, uh, Sabrina? Yeah, I have that names mixed up. I guess I get Fuchsia and Saffron and Celadon all mixed up okay. in my head sometimes. You're going to Fuchsia. 
Yeah, I'm heading to Fuchsia. Former home of the Safari Zone, which they did away with. Yeah, but they, now they have the, the park. Yeah. And Safari Zone was cool. It was a cool concept, but now it's like you can catch cool shit anywhere. It's not necessary. And it's replaced with something functional. And, you know, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Yeah, Safari Zone was always kind of a weird bit. It was. The, the, the gating was weird. I think it's like, oh, let me get strength in this weird zone that counts my steps and maybe catch a scyther. <laughs> that was the, the worst part about the original generations is that these crucial HMs that you need to beat the game, um, like Fly was hidden in some secret home behind um, back end of... I was It, it wasn't Celadon. It was... Uh, I thought it was Celadon. I got was Fly Celadon. from Celadon in this game or like the Fly equivalent. Okay, then yeah. It, so it was. It was a little hidden house that you had to use cut and go behind the... Uh, the barrier back by cycling road or um was it behind that um that little pool that you surf across in celadon no that was some dude to just give you like a tm or something maybe in this game i'm not sure the old game i think it was just a guy he just made, made a comment sometimes you'd run into a polywhirl i think in his front yard maybe he gave you like a a good rod or something i don't know nah, i don't know i don't i, I don't recall but no yeah i swear you've played that game more often and more recently than me we should not be having this conversation. You should know that game front and back by now. What Come I'm saying on. is I don't think he gave you anything, but I know Fly was in the little house hidden. It was a hidden entrance right before Cycling Road. It was in the in the building where the guard is there and you give him fucking water or whatever. Did it you was, have to cut and pick up the... Was it like past Snorlax? No, but you, then you cut the, the, the little grassy path behind him? I, the, I don't the think house. it was near the Snorlax. Maybe maybe it was, but it, it was it was you cut it down and you go in the house and she had like a far fetched or something and she gives you fly. That makes sense. You probably just can't use the HM until after you beat like Sabrina or something. Yeah. Or after you beat Blaine um, or something. Blaine. Yeah. Probably Blaine. But anyway, we're old. We're getting old, man. We're too old for this, but we're having a blast. We're reliving part of our childhood. I can't wait to get in the same room, do some trades, you know, get some of those version exclusives. Dude, items are really interesting in this game. Just before we wrap up here, you can like farm moonstones. They just appear in Mount Moon. You can just farm them all the live long day. Master Ball spawn in Cerulean Cave at the end of the game. Crazy. Hmm. Hmm. Master Ball, they just, you can randomly... They just don't have the uh, the story beat or is it just to get more Master Balls? Just to get more. Yeah. Well, that's good. I saw someone uh, post like a, a clip from a Twitch stream where someone had used their Master Ball on accident because the game just keeps cycling through the next usable Pokeball. After you run out, so he like ran out of Ultra Balls on this uh, this encounter, and he used his Master Ball on like a Golbat or something. Oh, that poor bastard! That poor son of a bitch. Well, at least you can get more. Yeah, or just roll back the save. Right. All right, man. This has been the Console Crusade podcast. Where can they find us? ConsoleCrusade.com. Check out us on Twitter. Fuck at yeah. a console underscore crusade. Fuck yeah. Check out my boy EJ at EJ. Check me out at Press Till Death. There he is. Email us feedback at ConsoleCrusade.com. Boom! Nailed the bit. Nailed the freaking bit. Nick, you coming down for Smash Bros? The weekend of the Smash Bros? Are we doing that? Or are we, we still we we're deliberating? Maybe. Internally. It's up in the air. All it's right. up in the air. I haven't, I haven't called heads or tails yet, but we'll figure it out. If you're listening to this podcast, write in. Regardless, an embargo went up today. Preview coverage is, is rolling out. It's eking out. Shit. People are saying World of Light is good. It's good. People are saying good things about the game. Okay. Understandably. People are saying... If you're if you're good at the game, only a few hours for unlocking all the characters. Cool. So we're gonna unlock them all Thursday night. Yeah, we're gonna have them all unlocked. It's gonna be no big deal. We're gonna be able to talk about them in depth, give our hot takes and all the fresh new faces, the minor changes, the big changes. I'm stoked. 
it's going to be a mess. We're going to come down and we're, you know, some of us are going to get some drinks in us and we're going to just do a group pot. I'm going to love it. I'm going to love it. Maybe, Nick, if you come down for, you know, a couple days and we'll have Max drive down for a night and then we'll have Leaf, and maybe Drew drive down for a night. We'll just have a rotating cast of boys coming through the crib, play some Smash Bros. <laughs> rotating cast of boys. I love the sound of every word in that sense. <laughs> okay, this is going to be, that's a great way to end it. Chow us out of here, bro. Yeah, boy. Yeah. yeah.